welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and I am thrilled to be joined by today's guest, uh, my good friend, Phil Langham, who is the head of Emerging Market Equities at RBC Global Asset Management. I affectionately call him Phil the Thrill, which is why I'm so thrilled to see him. Phil, how are you doing? I'm very well. Great to see you again, Dave. It is, uh, again, always great to see you, Phil. And, and, and timely that we get together right now, uh, because a lot of focus on China right now, uh, particularly the situation around Evergrande, and then the government starting to kind of get, to sort of poke around in, in, the, uh, in, in the market and, and put new controls in place. What's your perspective on all of this, Phil? No, you're right. We've seen um, a lot of weakness in the China market uh, recently, and, and you're right that both factors have been very uh, instrumental in driving that weakness. So first of all, um, Evergrande. Um, Evergrande is, is really a huge property company. It's the second largest property company in China, um, has very, very significant debt. Now, really, this has become a problem because um, about a year ago, regulators in China started becoming much more strict on the levels of financial debt that uh, Chinese companies were allowed. Um, they've started uh, really changing the regulation um, and, and tightening things up. We think that actually this is a very good thing, uh, but Evergrande within the context of the China property market is really an exception and does have huge levels of debt. Um, it's very much, you know, in terms of Evergrande, um, much more of a, a liquidity issue than a solvency issue because Evergrande also does have uh, a large amount of assets. It's estimated that that its assets are something like 350 billion uh, and, and its level of debt is around 300 billion. Um, what we've seen is that uh, in recent weeks, um, equity holders have taken a real hit and so have bondholders. Um, and really the question for markets is how uh, this situation is likely to play out. Our feeling is very much that the government will want to um, avoid any systemic risk. They've really shown that historically that that's extremely important for them. Clearly, they have uh, the tools and the firepower to do so. Um, nonetheless, they also will feel that, is it, that, that, that it is important that the regulations that they have uh, are meaningful. They want to avoid... Uh, any further risks in, in the property market. So our feeling is that they're really uh, essentially looking at quite quite a tight tightrope, but, but they'll, they'll um, do whatever it is necessary to, to avoid the worst of, of the systemic risks. They'll certainly want to make sure that, that consumers and that banks take as little a hit as possible. But we do think that, that it is likely that uh, the hits for equity holders and that bondholders um, have taken so far are likely to be crystallized. I mean, as, all, as you also mentioned, Dave, um, it hasn't just been regulations in the property sector that have got tighter, but we've seen this extend to other sectors. Um, one very notable example was, was the education sector, which really took a very big hit. 
Um, but, but clearly the most significant sector that has taken a hit um, within China is the internet sector. And the reason it is so significant is that the internet sector represents um, around about 45% of the whole index. So it's really very, very important. Yeah. Um, what we've seen is a whole uh, raft of regulations in, in the internet sector really aimed at curbing um, anti-monopoly behavior, aimed at uh, controlling uh, some of the uh, things that seem to go on in terms of social media. And, and really we see that these uh, policies broadly have two overall aims. Uh, firstly, to uh, create fairer competition, um, to avoid extremely or excessive profits going to these very large companies. Um, and secondly, it's a way for the government to reassert control. Um, what we've also seen in, in China and, and of course in many other markets in, in recent years is that a lot of these internet companies um, have really performed very well. Valuations in a lot of these companies have, have become almost excessive. So our feeling anyway was that uh, for many of these companies, uh, there was certainly a lot of potential downside. It was certainly something we were starting to, to think about. And, and for a lot of these companies, particularly the second line companies in China, they weren't actually making uh, any profit. So we were really trying to grow um, as large as they could uh, without worrying about profits. And now clearly that's become much more of a concern for the market. Um, our feeling is that um, going forward, while these companies have taken a big hit, um, that what we're seeing in China um, actually may well turn out to be a good thing. W within China, um, they're, they're really putting a big emphasis on uh, much more social equality and much more fairer distribution of income. And it wouldn't be a surprise to us if we see the same sorts of policies as we've seen in China starting to play out perhaps over a much longer period in, in other markets. We've certainly heard lots of talk of antitrust, um, of the fact that a lot of the large inter in internet companies um, in, in many other markets really have become too large. Um, in China, they're able to implement these rules very quickly, but it wouldn't be a surprise if over coming years we started to see similar rules, um, I, I would say, in other markets. What we feel um, in particular in China is that both the Evergrande issue and this uh, internet issue really illustrate the fact that um, it's extremely important in China to be very focused on issues such as corporate governance, uh, strong balance sheets, um, but also to put a big emphasis on the direction of government policy. Um, and we can certainly find um, areas within China that we feel uh, the government are much more supportive of. So good examples would be um, healthcare and, and green energy. Clearly, um, China sees uh, decarbonization as, 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 as a very significant part of its future. So focusing on areas such as this, which have the support of government and which we see as being very strong growth areas, we would say is very important. 
So, so Phil, you, you at, at different points of time have been underweight China. Uh, is, is, is that sort of where you're sitting in, in your portfolio positioning today? And has this created any opportunities for you to go up towards a, a, a normal weighting or overweight? Yeah, we have been um, quite underweight for, for some time. Um, largely, the reason for our underweight has been, first of all, that, that we do see um, a lot of potential issues um, such as uh, corporate governance risks, government regulation risks. But we also found that a lot of the very good companies in China, the sort of quality companies that we like to invest in, actually had um, exceptionally high valuation levels. Now, we have started to see those valuation levels come down. We still feel that for the very good companies in China, despite the very significant correction that we've seen in, in recent months, we still feel that those very good companies in China are still somewhat overvalued, but we are starting to see better opportunities. Um, and certainly if this correction continues as it has in the last few months, we do feel that good opportunities um, will occur and we would expect the underweight that we have in China to be reduced. And, and, and I, know, I know, Phil, that, that, that you really have focused uh, in emerging markets on corporate governance uh, be, uh, and, and it's something that concerns Canadians in particular when they go and invest outside of Canada into the emerging markets. And obviously not all emerging markets are the same. There's a broad range of emerging markets. But corporate governance is important in Canada. The U.S. also very, very important in emerging markets. And it's something that you, you pay attention to and one of the reasons behind your success. But something else that you, you're, you pay a lot of attention to um, is ESG, climate change, and, and that's, again, something that Canadians are concerned about. And so, again, when they go to invest outside of Canada, they'd like investment managers to have that kind of a view or at least be thinking about that when they're making investments. What are you doing around climate change in, in, in your portfolios? No, you're right. I mean, ESG is also has, has always been important um, in emerging markets. And the focus for a long time was was much more on the governance side. Um, but other parts of ESG are, are are clearly becoming more significant and, and, and climate change at the moment is right at the forefront of that. Um, I think what, what we're seeing is the um, governments, individuals, corporates are increasingly recognizing that uh, in, in order to, for, for the world overall to meet the climate challenges that, that we have, that everyone has to play a part. So in terms of what we're doing, um, first of all, I'd say we're, we're, we're really engaging and doing a lot of work um, around the corporates uh, that we own in our portfolio and checking and really looking to see what they are doing in terms of climate change. So what sort of policies do they have in place? Do they make sense? Are they credible? A lot of companies are talking about net zero in, in 2050, but uh, they don't necessarily have uh, policies that we feel are, are realistic. Um, they, they haven't necessarily studied. There's a lot of complications with a lot of the ways that you need to get there. And we'll also look at other factors within climate change. So to what extent are companies using renewable energy where they can? You know, what is their policy around things like water use? Are they able to transfer to, to seawater? 
So there's a lot of different issues and a lot of different things that, that we look at in terms of the companies themselves. The other thing that we're doing within our portfolio is really trying to focus on areas that we see will benefit um, ultimately from, from climate change. And in particular for us, we're putting um, a big emphasis on, on green infrastructure. And the three ways that we see is of, of, of playing green infrastructure um, are, first of all, um, renewable energy. So companies that are... Ex that, that, that are exposed to areas such as um, solar, um, hydro, wind. For us in particular, solar, we feel, is going to be a very important part of the solution. And actually, talking of China, within China, China's very much um, a leader within the solar industry. Yeah. Um, the second one would be electric vehicles. Um, I think something like 25% of emissions come from carbon and we've now reached the point with electric vehicles where the cost of an electric vehicle um, is pretty much the same as as the cost of, of a combustion engine um, we also see that a lot of the issues around electric vehicles such as battery charging time um, availability of cars those sorts of factors um, are all being resolved so we feel that this is going to be a huge growth area going forward and the final area that we're spending a lot of time and looking to gain exposure to is what we are calling transition uh, materials. And essentially, these are uh, materials and metals that we feel will benefit from this move um, to uh, renewables, to electric vehicles, to a much more green economy. Um, in particular, we, we, you know, we have found that materials such as um, copper and aluminium um, are really poised uh, to, to, to benefit from this transition. Love, uh, I, I love it when we have our, uh, our UK guests on and call it aluminium. That's a, always one of my favorites when I'm, uh, when, when I'm over in London. But uh, you're uh, speaking of London and speaking of the UK, uh, just, just, uh, just, just like we're experiencing all over the world, we're at different stages of things in terms of our reemergence from COVID. And you're doing something this week that I cannot wait to do here in Canada with my team, but we're waiting for the appropriate time. Uh, but over there, you're, you're in good shape. You've got your team together, uh, your entire emerging markets team. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, so we've, I guess we've been back in the office um, really for, for about a month now. We're going back to the office as a team um, three days a week. Um, and what we've actually, um, one of the things that we've actually done historically is we've had um, an annual offsite. And the idea of our offsite has been really to, to look at a lot of the data that we have to, to challenge ourselves as a team, to learn from mistakes, to look for any potential um, areas of improvement. Um, historically, when we've done our offsite, we've tried to go uh, somewhere slightly exotic. Um, but uh, for the second year in a row, um, we're not going anywhere exotic. We've, we've done our offsite um, in, in, in our offices. Um, but it's still something that for us is, is very important. Really, everyone on the team, so there's 12, 13 of us, all take one or two subjects, all do a presentation on it. And you know, as I said, the idea is to learn from, from what we're doing. Um, the sorts of things that we do is we'll look at attribution, at risk, at risk from an absolute point of view, at the trading we're doing, at the sell decisions that we've had, at mistakes that we've made, 
Um, we also spend actually a lot of time today doing um, stuff on ESG, so climate change, looking at um, suppliers, looking at uh, how we evaluate companies from a, an ESG point of view. So lots of different things that we look at, um, really important in terms of our team culture. Um, we, we generally try and do some team building activities um, as well. We actually went to an escape room yesterday um, and uh, had a nice team dinner. So all for us, all things that, 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 that are really important and, and it's great to be back. Um, it really makes a big difference. And I'm sure when, when you get back to the office and you know, everyone in, in your team, you'll, you'll, you'll really see the benefits as well. Yeah, I think we're, we're, we're all waiting for, uh, for, for things to be more normal. So, so when, when, just to wrap everything up, Phil, uh, emerging markets. Uh, we, we, we've talked uh, at, at different points in time when we've had you on the on the podcast. You usually use the um, uh, the analogy of, uh, of pounding the table, and you're either pounding the table very very loudly and very hard, or kind of pounding the table a little bit, or not pounding the table at all. Emerging markets, sort of, where is your table pounding right now? I'd say it's it's been a difficult period because of what's going on in China. I don't think we've come to the end of that. Um, so certainly as long as um, the headline news in, in China is as it has been in the last few months, um, probably um, emerging markets you know, will, 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 will not be necessarily leading the pack. But we do think longer term, uh, the story is still very good. Valuations um, are attractive. Uh, I think, you know, when you look at things like um, the valuation of currencies, it always tends to be quite important in terms of a long-term uh, uh, long outlook, um, as well as the long-term growth and um, the earnings that we expect to see. Um, so certainly over the medium term, we feel that the story for emerging markets is still very strong. Yeah, and, and the US dollar has, has continued to be kind of stubbornly strong. Surprisingly strong, despite... Um, you know, a very large current account deficit and fiscal deficit. But we do think that over time, those factors will end up being quite important in terms of the direction of the US dollar. Excellent. Well, Phil, that was a, uh, a fantastic uh, uh, synopsis of what's going on in emerging markets, particularly China, which I think we could argue is the most important of the emerging markets, if we even want to categorize it as an emerging market uh, as, as we move forward. Always great to catch up with you. Say hi to the team. And, Will do, uh, yeah. And, and hopefully we'll see you soon. Yeah, see you soon. Thanks very much, Dave. Thanks, Phil.